For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, it's a Monday, a first for the Birds 365 guys. We haven't come on on a Monday after a loss, but uh, you didn't think we were going 20-0, did you? It is Monday here on Birds 365. You got the Mac and Mac guys. That would be me, Jody McDonald. That would be him, John McMullen. Jay Mac, long day at the ballpark yesterday? Yeah, it was a long day. Started with a uh, little bit, a uh, little bit of traffic. Uh, <laughs> forgot that part of it. The one part of the pandemic year I, I enjoyed was just scooting down to the stadium, no problems whatsoever. So uh, that was a rookie mistake, and I bring <laughs> that up because we saw some rookie mistakes as well uh, from from the rookie head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So. Uh, but you knew it was going to happen. You knew there were going to be hiccups, and that's just part of the process. You hope you grow from it. You learn. You don't make the same mistakes twice. And and Nick Sirianni, you know, we'll, we'll start with the – what do you want to call it? Because it wasn't special. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you want to call that play call, but it was it was a bad decision at a bad time. And it's rare, Jody. We always talk about turning points of NFL games, and you can point to certain plays and big plays. But there are other aspects. This was glaring. Before that play, the Eagles were dominating the football game. They weren't cashing in on opportunities, so that part was disappointing. But they were dominating the football game. After that play, the air got sucked out of the team, and they were completely dominated the rest of the way. It was the clear demarcation line of the game. I will stretch it a little further. Um, That entire series, first and goal from the one. They didn't get it on first down. They didn't get it on second down. They didn't get it on third. So it was building up. Yes, the Eagles had dominated up until they had first and goal from the one, then three unsuccessful tries, then the major exclamation point at the end with the farcical uh, Greg Ward trying to throw the ball to his only wide receiver who's available, who's his quarterback. He's not a wide receiver who yeah. ran the worst route in, in mankind. Uh, so it wasn't Greg Ward's fault. There was nothing you could do. There was no other option. The offensive line was like, what the hell do we do? We can't go downfield. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts looked like he was trying to fool somebody. Nobody was fooled. Um, yeah, it was bad. Bad execution, bad bad play design, bad play call, bad spot. I always say this before we got on the air. I was telling you, Jody, I don't understand these coaches. When it works – and it worked in the biggest stage here in Philadelphia, so everybody loves it. But even when it works, I don't understand it. You have the big situation where you want to score, you want to you want to turn the game, and you turn to a trick play, which you don't practice, you don't execute, you don't do it in your sleep. The old, you know, watch an old basketball movie. What are they? We're going to run these plays until you know them in your sleep. That's what they do in football too. And then we get to the big part of the game where you need something. Let's try this trick. Let's try this thing we never use. I don't get it. Yeah, nor do I. Here's where I will, and you know how big a Greg Water <laughs> fan I am. Um, uh, I will at least give him a small little percentage of the blame. 
throwing the ball away? What? Well, what are you going to do it, at that it's point? For, I mean, here's what you're going to do. Pull it down and try and run. It's look, better than throwing it uh, eight feet over the only wide receiver. And he's not a wide receiver. I know I get that. Over his head. What does that do? I, it I'm glad. Greg, pull it down. Fight your way into the end zone. Even though I think you got about a 2% chance yeah. of scoring. I, I, I would go less job. than that. Two is I, better than zero. Boy, I'm I'm surprised. I can't even get to Greg Ward on that play. I got yeah, no I issues did. with Greg Ward. Because he's my guy. Play. And he had yeah. a chance and he didn't even take the 2%. But I said this to you before the show started. And believe me, uh, folks, we're going to cover the entire game today. Uh, there's a lot to unpack from yesterday, 17 to 11 loss. But uh, McMahon is right on when he says that was the key turning point of the game. More so than the nerviness of calling it. More so of giving up on what you do day in, day out, practice in, practice out. Uh, the thing that annoyed me the most, believe it or not, Jay Mack is, and I don't, I've never seen that play before. They, everybody wanted to try and compare it to the Philly special, but it wasn't like the Philly special. It was no, different. It's <clears throat> similar, you know, similar end game in the fact that you had, uh, uh, you know, uh, a receiver in this case, it was uh, Greg Ward instead of Trey Burton throwing it back to the quarterback. But yeah, it wasn't. Uh, the exact yeah, same it's a, play. It's a somewhat different, pretty different play. There are some similarities. Here's what bothers the heck out of me. And if I had the time, I would have gone back and checked. I'm sure I have it on tape somewhere in my uh, saved tape library, the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. It's way to hell down on my list. But it's still sitting in there in my TV. I can guarantee you that because I watched it, oh, I don't know, less than a year ago. I put it on again and watched uh, on that play. I thought there was at least one other option, that Nick Foles wasn't the only passing option on that play. In yesterday's play, the only guy you could even see on the TV screen, and you were there, maybe you can tell me, Jody, you missed this. No, There nobody, was no other option. No, it was either on. throw the ball to Jalen Hurts, yeah. Or you had no chance, no shot whatsoever. There's got to be at least somebody leaking back who's an eligible receiver who at least you can try and force the ball to. I didn't see that on my TV screen no. yesterday. Did I miss it? No, you didn't miss it. Nobody else was there. Nobody else was on the side of the field. Because the play is designed to trick the other team. That's literally it. And, and so is the Philly Special, to be fair. And it did, by the way. The Philly Special did. Um... It was designed to trick the other team. Once they're not tricked, the play's over. It's over. There's nothing you can do unless you have a, you know, and all due deference. And again, I'm not going to criticize Greg Ward because I don't think that was remotely even 1% of his problem. But the only guy who's going to make a potential play out of that is a Lamar Jackson type, or if you want to go back to Michael Baker, Randall Cunningham, this extraordinary athlete that's going to stand on his head and, make three guys miss and things like that. Greg Ward's not that guy. It's not his fault. He was put in that situation. There was nothing he could do. Um, once the trick aspect is done, it's blown up, and they knew what was coming from the start, play's over. It's over. And that's, you know, it. I called it pandering. I know a lot of other people called it pandering. I think it was pandering. I think he was trying to ignite 70,000 people and trying to sort of steal the hearts out of the San Francisco 49ers, and it probably would have if it worked. But, you know, don't worry about it. You know, worry about what's good for your football team. Don't worry about exciting the crowd. 
Now, that's that that's not that shouldn't be an issue. The old buddy Brian saying, um, if you listen to the fans, you're going to be sitting with the fans. Well, he wasn't listening to the fans, but he was pandering to the fans. And it's not quite as bad, but it's up there. And I think he'll learn from it. And you got to do what's best for your football team in a particular situation. He didn't, Nick Sirianni didn't do that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to give Buddy Ryan credit for that uh, phrase. I think it was the manager. Well, in this town. Yeah, it was around. In this town, it might have been. Yeah, it, it had been used many no, years yeah, before. Many. Uh, he, but in this but town, Buddy, you can Buddy was an exciting guy and an emotional guy. He wasn't coining phrases. That wasn't Buddy yeah. Ryan's uh, strength as uh, a football individual. And it's an overreaction Monday, and we know we're going to get this. And when I say overreaction, I'm talking about Eagle Nation. That includes members of the media, fans, anybody who's in the Eagles' corner and rooting for the Eagles and probably overanalyzing the Eagles uh, with every single snap. Uh, Nick Sirianni went from a genius play caller who put up 30-some-odd points in week one last week when the Eagles scored 30 points exactly zero times under Doug Peterson last year in 16 games to the village idiot yesterday with the inability to go, oh, by the way, touchdown late. I guess you can't really call, oh, by the way, because if they had gotten a defensive stop, they could have come back and stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. They, of course, didn't. Jimmy D. G sneaks for a first down and they end up losing By the way, 17 to 11. Lot too, Jody. Jimmy G is awful. You got to get Trey Lance up to speed, but go on. <laughs> go yeah, on. I wouldn't, you know, I, he's not awful. He is what he is. He's a game manager. Did he manage the game to a win yesterday? He did. He did. I okay. think Nick Sirianni. Then, then I can't it. use the I word off. I, I think Nick Sirianni managed it to a win. No, but I'm overstating. He's won a lot of football games, but the 49ers are right to take the quarterback. They took the quarterback that high. I don't know if they, they're they going to develop Trey Lance, but they got to get to that quickly if they want to reach their ceiling because I think they have a chance to be a really good football team, but not, not with – it's very similar to Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. But I would argue um, – and Alex Smith was a good game man, won a ton of games in this league, but there was just a ceiling there. There's a ceiling there with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um I think Nick Sirianni managed the game to a win for the 49ers, though. But, you know, and, and Jalen Hurts didn't make mistakes either, but we're going to get to him as well. I mean, there are some we, – we, we've been talking about these potential issues. When the Eagles get behind you, Nick all admitted this after the game. They want to play from the lead. Now, everybody wants to play from the lead. That's, that's obvious. It's easier to play from the lead. But the Eagles almost need to play from the lead. There, there's a difference because they can't just, you know, drop back and throw the football. I mean, the second half numbers passing the football were just ugly, ugly. And right when they got behind, that's the difference. You said this last week, so, uh, and I think there's more evidence to point to that fact. Uh, you, you were talking about it last week in a uh, almost protected fashion that they scheme up. Jalen Hurts to have success, that they didn't have that many plays where he attempted to push the ball down the field. We did that more so yesterday, some of it by necessity because they were behind on the scoreboard, but some of it not. Some of it they they let him uh, touch. Certainly the pass to Watkins was very good. 
how you get a 91-yard completion in a drive and come away with zero points is another uh, area we have to get into. But uh, Jalen threw a couple of deep balls well and a couple of deep balls uh, without much on them and or up for grabs and or not exactly hitting a guy in stride. Is that something that, in your eyes, they have to uh, expand immediately, that they've got to give Jalen Hurts more of a chance to make some plays? And when I say down the field, it doesn't have to be 45, 50 yards in the air all the time. I'm talking about 15 to 20 yards in the air. Yeah, well, I think that's the problem, the 15 to 20 range. I think he's actually pretty good throwing the football outside the numbers down the field. He, he sort of has a natural ability to drop it in the bucket. The problem comes inside inside the center of the field, those 15 to 20-yard routes, the Eagles generally don't even try them uh, because they're not competent in the ability to hit them. And obviously, when you throw the ball in the middle of the field, there's some opportunities for bad things to happen. That's when, look, if you're not really, really accurate, you're going to get tip balls. It's going to pop up. You're going to get turnovers. That's how that kind of things happen. So at least early in the season, I don't think they're very competent in those types of plays. And that's why you see the scheme the way the scheme is. Week one, it was a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage. Bubble screen, bubble screen. You saw a couple of bubble screens yesterday. He can throw the football outside the numbers pretty well. A couple underthrown balls deep down the field, even inside, uh, which isn't as dangerous as obviously those intermediate routes. Uh, I, I think Jalen Rager did him no favors. That should have been a touchdown. I know Nick Sirianni was on their flagship radio station this morning. He has to go on, uh, and he mentioned that Jalen got bumped out of bounds. Well, guess what? I mean, come on. Big-time receivers in this league get bumped down the field all the time. They understand where they are on the field. Uh, that's got to be a touchdown, and that's strictly on Jalen Rager. I'm sorry. Um, that was a good throw. The Quez Watkins, obviously, that was a great throw, especially – you know, that was the first play of Landon Dickerson, and obviously we have to get to the injuries, came in the game. He got bulldozed, his first NFL play. He got right put in Jalen Hurts' lap. So that was a heck of a throw to Quez Watkins, and it went 91 yards, and Quez got up to 21 miles an hour, 21-plus, couldn't get in the end zone. They couldn't finish it, but that was a great throw, about 45 yards in the air. But that's what he can do. We got to see that intermediate stuff. 15 to 20 yards like you were talking about, Jody. We haven't seen that yet. No. We haven't seen it yet. And when you're behind in the game by two scores, that's the kind of throw you need. And I don't know what the number, 38 yards maybe was the number, passing yards in the second half. That's it. That's it. Right. And that's not going to get it done when you're trying to come from behind. I, uh, I just want to jump back to Sirianni for a second. After the game, he took the blame and I give him credit for it. He didn't try and make excuses. He didn't uh, try and say a player came up short on him. He said, this is on me. And specifically the one play that we've already talked plenty about down by the goal line on fourth down, um, that he felt that he needed to dial up a better play, call a better play, give them a better chance to score. We've been well indoctrinated in this here in this town because we had Andy Reid as many years as he did. And Andy Reid, after losses, would basically take all the bullets. 
I have to do a better job. I have to get them in a better position. I have to give them a better chance. It was Andy Reid's MO that he would protect all his players and take all the bullets after the game. And he knew that he was in a strong enough position. And sure enough, he stayed here over a decade. So he was right that if I take the blame, that means they're not looking at somebody else and it's got to come down on me. What are they going to do? Fire me? The answer is no. What do you think of Nick Sirianni and how he handled? Because we've seen Nick now. Uh, opening press conference, an entire preseason, a uh, little bit of a rah-rah kind of guy, great after week one when they look great and everybody is talking about 11 or 12 wins now, please. Um, this was the first time we got a chance to see Nick Sirianni after a defeat with some things to answer for and some questions to be dealt with. How do you think he handled it after the fact? Yeah, I think he handled it fine. You have to do what uh, he's smart enough to understand. You have to protect the players. You have to take the blame. And he was kind of easy because the big part of the blame was on him. But like this morning, he already talked about Jalen Rager was defending him. Look, again, that was on Jalen Rager. It wasn't about getting bumped out of bounds or anything of that nature. That's life in the NFL. That's going to happen to you. So he's going to be that. I will say – and, and you see this, you mentioned week one, you're a genius, Jody. Everybody's lauding you. Uh, week two, you're the village idiot. Well, guess what? This is this is a guy who went – this is a town where the guy finally got them a Super Bowl and he's unemployed uh, three years later and turned into the village idiot. So, yeah, things change quickly. Be ready for it. And the, the slogans, the T-shirts, uh, rent is due – from Jalen Hurts, not going to cut it after a loss. Not going to cut it after a loss in the second half when you throw for 38 yards. So that kind of stuff maybe needs to be adjusted to a little bit more substance uh, because, again, you don't have to look back very far. Fans in this town are not going to accept rent is due, a cute little T-shirt on overreaction Monday. It's not going to placate them. Let me follow up with one more, and then we're going to get our first guest up here. Marcus Hayes, Daily News, going to hop aboard with us uh, from the T-shirt uh, section of today's conversation. First Nick Sirianni, then at least the order in which they were shown yesterday, then Jalen Hurts came up, and they both used the same analogy of it's a long boxing match. Round one round, to the round Eagles. One, round two. Round two to the 49ers. And round three will be here before you know it. Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it just kind of perked my interest that they both used the same analogy after the game. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It, it, I get, You don't want at this stage of Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts relationships two full games in uh, you wouldn't want them at opposite ends of the spectrum, but the fact that they're using the exact same analogy after the game, is that a bit much for you? No, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Nick has been using that analogy round one, round two to all the players. So it's, it tells you they're listening at least at this point, they should be He's in the second game as an NFL head coach. So if your shelf life can't get past two games, you got, you got a big problem. I don't, you know, that's what he says. Round one, round two, blah, blah, blah. What if you get knocked out, though? I never understood that part of it. But, and maybe that's the injuries and, and significant injuries. But 
yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I had more of a problem with what went on on the field. I never have a problem. Look, Nick Sirianni defended Jalen Rager. It's Jalen Rager's fault. I, I don't have a problem with that kind of stuff because that's what you have to do as a coach. But when you are the coach in the messaging and 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 things like that, you got to do what's best for your football team. You can't pander to fans. You can't try to placate fans. You can't try to placate players. You got to play the bad guy, the bad cop, as Howie Roseman would say occasionally. And he uh, he played the good cop for his players yesterday by taking all the blame. Did Nick Sirianni? All right, he is John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Merge Three Sixty Five. First time after a loss. We got to learn to deal with this, folks. Uh, we'll get some help, though, to do just that. Marcus Hayes, Daily News, Eagles columnist and writer will join us next here on Bird Street 65. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
the Monday get-together on Bird 365 after an eagle loss. First time we've had to deal with that, and we're doing just that. And we're going to get a helping hand. Because joining us right now here on Bird 365, if he's awake, he's cleaning the sleep dust out of his eyes. Did the Eagles do that to you, Marcus Hayes? Did they put sleep in your eyes with that performance yesterday? I wish it was sleep. It's just dry. If it was sleep, I'd be better rested, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time uh, we've had to deal with a loss. But trust me, Jody, not the last. Not the last. Not, not going to be the last. <laughs> Certainly not if they play the way they played yesterday, Marcus. So where where do you start with this loss? When you're putting the toe tag, when you're doing the autopsy, what 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 stands out to you first? You know, John, I sat 10 feet away from you, but I think I saw it a little different. They didn't play badly. That's a good, that's a really, really good front seven that they faced yesterday. And I I expected it to be as tough as it was. Uh, at halftime, Mike Quick told me that the Eagles receivers could win against man-to-man coverage. And D'Amico Ryan was going to have to change that up, at least disguise it. And he did. But, you know, you're at first and goal from the one. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but the head coach, Nick Sirianni, was on uh, uh, Jody's old station, WIP, this morning doing his weekly radio hit, I think probably while you guys were on. And Angelo Cataldi asked him, Hey, first a goal from the one, that's four quarterback sneaks or three and a three and a kick. He says, yeah. Well, yeah. I like it from the half yard line, but not the one yard line. So the 18 inches is, uh, is the difference in Nick Sirianni's analytics playbook, and that's how analytics loses you games. You have to understand, if you're Nick Sirianni, that you have a quarterback starting his sixth game, your right guard hasn't played football in nine months, and this is his first football series because Landon Dickerson was injured last December, and he's the guy that replaced Brandon Brooks at right guard. Your first play call on a, on first and goal was that quarterback rolling out with one target, Zach Ertz, who's a 116-year-old tight end. <laughs> you know, it's just you have to understand. The analytics only apply when you have the personnel. And the, the subsequent play calls, you know, with the Philly not-so-special capping it off, it was just a young coach trying to win over the fans yes. and show everybody who how smart he is and how well his team was coached when you've got a six foot two, 225 pound power lifting running quarterback running behind a hall of fame center and two offensive guards who combined weigh 700 pounds. Just it, it's not rocket science. Well, I agree with you on that, that uh, I would have gone caught 18 inches or not quarterback sneak three times. I got faith that Jalen Hurts is going to get in there. Yeah, feel free to mention WIP, my former, and still current. I'll be yeah. on tonight. Oh, that's the right. that's game, right. As a matter of fact, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for quasi keeping track, Marcus. <laughs> um, but here's where I'll I'll make my Nick Sirianni point. How did he go? If you believe he's too heavy-handed with analytics and everything else, how did he go from genius last week? 32 points when Doug Peterson went 0 for 16, scoring 30 last year. He does it his first week out of the bat. And this week, he's an analytical moron because he he was laying too heavily on it down by the goal line. How do those two things work themselves out to go from uh, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows? Well, the competition was better this week. As I said, that, that front seven is really, really good. Um 
But the you know last week the analytics didn't work either. You know <laughs> they turned the ball over twice on downs last week. So I mean you just you, you can't you you can't be a slave to it. You have to use use the numbers and look at your personnel, understand the situation, and move forward. And he you know he just didn't do that. Now, Marcus, when you talk about Nick Sirianni going forward on fourth down, when when you do, you're having all those problems. You mentioned Landon Dickerson, his first play, which, by the way, was the big Quez Watkins 91-yard receptions. He got thrown into Jalen Hurts' lap. So you should have recognized right there, okay, maybe he needs a few plays to ramp it up. But when you do, after everything happens, you do get to fourth and three. Do you just take the field goal there? Do you have a problem with the decision uh, or just the play call of the decision? Well, again, I'm not convinced that this offense matches up well against this defense. So whenever you can get points, you get points. Because, frankly, the Eagles defense was outplaying the 49ers offense. So you always take points, especially, you know, especially when you have a young quarterback who has yet to make his mistakes. You can't take points off the board with a guy in his sixth NFL start. You just can't. You're not good enough. The the risk versus the reward there, the momentum shift, you were there. The momentum shift was gigantic. The 49ers went on a, I think it was a 12-play, 97-yard drive. And, you know, momentum's a real thing, more so than any sport except maybe basketball. Momentum is real in football, and the Eagles should have been up six nothing, and everybody in the stadium knew that, including the defense. There was a, another key play in the game, and certainly we all agree the play on fourth and goal uh, was the turning point game. But Jalen Rager was in the end zone. Nice, nice pass, perfectly <laughs> thrown pass by the uh, quarterback, and he did step out of bounds. And this is one of the places where the coach took the players back after the game. So, oh, you got pushed out of bounds. No kidding. Cornerbacks try and push wide receivers out of bounds all the time. That's nothing new, Nick. And Jalen Rager did get bumped out of bounds. You have to know where that sideline is. You have to stay in bounds. He did not. It was correctly called. If there was a second turning point of the game, would that be it, Marcus? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, it was interesting a couple of years ago, when Jalen Rager was drafted, you know, it was it was the year of speed because the 49ers had gone to the Super Bowl essentially because they were the fastest team in the NFL. Jeffrey Lurie got a hold of that analytic and said, well, if they did it, we have to do it. And that's one of the reasons Jalen Rager was drafted. But the big caveat, as John can attest, was Jalen Rager is not a very good route runner. He's no. not a very disciplined route runner. And that doesn't change overnight. He didn't really get a chance to mature last year as a route runner because he spent most of the year injured or recovering from injury. And then they didn't have an offseason this year because the NFLPA decided they would use COVID as a sledgehammer to make sure their players had a longer vacation. So players like Jalen Rager are the types of players who uh, were penalized by that idiocy that the NFLPA enacted this year there, there were they weren't I mean they had guys going out in bars <laughs> catching COVID all the time they, they didn't care about COVID they cared about placating their their uh, constituency but that really hurt guys like Jalen Rager and Jalen Hurts who we saw yesterday under throws deep passes because his mechanics remain flawed 
Now, we, we talk about, and Nick Sirianni mentioned this, Marcus, after the game. He wanted to play with a lead. Now, every NFL team wants to play with a lead. It's just much easier to play. But I think it's a bigger deal for the Eagles because of the limitations of Jalen Hurts right now as a quarterback. And one of those limitations you talked about is mechanical accuracy, getting the football out on time, uh, throwing the football on schedule uh, versus his off-schedule offense. When the Eagles got behind in that game, especially by two scores, you look at the first half, second half numbers, 38 yards passing in the second half. When they need to drop back and throw the football, can Jalen Hurts do that at this stage? Well, I think what we've seen, obviously, with the bubble screens to the wide receivers and stuff, is Nick Sirianni and and Shane Steichen, his offensive coordinator, have chosen to sort of simplify the game for Jalen Hurts, both in the types of throws he's asked to make and the types of reads he's asked to make. Usually, he only has one or two options, and again, that was the unknock on Jalen Hurts coming from Oklahoma via Alabama is that he'll get through one read, two read, go. And that's kind of what he is. That's got, so I don't know that you can coach that out of him in a, an abbreviated offseason with a new coaching staff. And let's be honest, he didn't get a lot of coaching last year because there was so much coaching needed to be that needed to be done with Carson Wentz. So this is really his rookie season. So you know, he's very much a work in progress. I think that a person of his intelligence, of his focus and humility is 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 certainly you will see the best Jalen Hurts you can see in a year or two because he will make sure that he gets there. What, how good that is, none of us can really tell. But I think he has a strong enough arm and, good, and enough athleticism to get his feet and his shoulders and his hips in a proper position to deliver the ball accurately. But again, he's very, very, very raw and almost too gifted to have the kind of urgency I think he needs to have to to polish those mechanics. Marcus, along those lines in that mid-range game that we're talking about here, a key to me would be the tight end position. And then they were in 12 a lot yesterday with both Goddard and Ertz (laughs) on the field. That's where tight ends can thrive, that 10 to 12-yard pass. At least with Zach, it's not usually turn the ball up the field afterwards. But you make the catch, even if you do it the first down. You don't. You move the sticks. That's a good thing. They didn't use much tight end yesterday. Why did the Niners take it away? Were they attempting to get the ball in faster players' hands? Why do you think the tight ends weren't much of a factor yesterday? Well, again, I think the coverages both early and late were geared to take away the tight ends and make Jalen Hurts hit the young young Jalen Hurts, hit the young receivers. D'Amico Ryans is a really, really a smart guy. He, I, we covered him, and he understands that, you know, if the soft <laughs> underbelly of your team is the center of the field, you're going to run all – you're going to be there all day. That's how Tom Brady's still in a league. That's how Drew Brees made his living. So – but the difference between Tom Brady and Drew Brees, clearly, is they anticipate the breaks that their, that their uh, teammates are going to make and the coaches put them in a position to make those quick decisions with the quick releases. Jalen Hurts just doesn't have that yet. The most remarkable stat vis-a-vis Jalen Hurts right now is that the Eagles have no turnovers. Correct me if I'm wrong. None. Yeah. So that's astounding for a quarterback. Look what Zach Wilson did yesterday. 
That's yeah. astounding for a quarterback who <clears throat> is tasked with so much responsibility. This is not a three yards and cloud of dust team. This is this is a team that asks Jalen Hurts to do a lot of things, make a lot of decisions. They're not always the best decisions, but so far he hasn't really put the football in peril very often. Very much like a young Donovan McNabb didn't. Donovan McNabb rarely turned the ball over when he got the reins because his his theory and Jalen Hurts' theory is if you have zero turnovers, you're going to win 75% of your games. And they had that, you know, Jalen Hurts could have and should have delivered more balls on time to those mid range targets. But if he's not comfortable throwing them, if he thinks the window's closed, it's it, it, it behooves him not to err on the side of recklessness to be desperate. And, uh, you know, I can't really fault him for that because, you know, as Clint Eastwood told us, a man needs to know his limitations. That's a good one. Read Marcus, inquire.com. You know, I do have to get to the defense. I hesitate for this, Marcus, because I think they played well enough to win. I think if you give up 17 points in the modern NFL, you should find a way to score 18. But, yeah, at home. But there was a sequence there when the Eagles had a chance to get back uh, in the football game where he had back-to-back personal fouls on the defense. You and I talked about it a little bit at the game. Derek Barnett, I think, dumb play. You got to be smarter than that. The other one was with Kayvon Wallace, a little bit more kind of difficult. I don't know what Kayvon could have done. But when you look at that, you call it lack of discipline, just an over-legislated NFL. What side side do you lean on there? Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, Derek Barnett is who he is. He's played, I think, in his last 27 games, he's got – uh, five unnecessary roughness penalties, which leads the NFL in that, in that span. He just is what he is. He's a knucklehead. Um, on the next play, though, you had a running back come through, and Anthony Harris clipped him with his forearm, a forearm shiver that could have been flagged itself. There's a rule that outlaws punching and throwing forearms and stuff like that, whether or not it's dead ball or live ball. So you could have had two penalties on that because uh, upon further review from an angle we weren't able to see yesterday, John, you know, Kayvon Wallace has no excuse. His head should never be that low. He, his head should never be so low he can't see what he's hitting. And he couldn't see what he was hitting, and that's what precipitated the knockout shot because Trey Sermon left the game. Uh, Kayvon Wallace is going to be a lot poorer, uh, you know, on Thursday than he is right now. He's going to get fined. That's exactly the kind of play that they want to legislate out of the game. And if if, if the argument is, okay, everything happened so fast, you're over-legislating – Okay, that, that's a valid argument, but regardless, the rule is the rule, and this is a textbook example of why the rule exists for player safety and at the expense of making a play. He might not have made that play. If, if uh, Anthony Harris hadn't clipped uh, Trey Sermon, you know, it's a tough tackle for Kayvon Wallace to make because he has to expose his body. You know, and, you know, it's much easier to, you know, just dive for the legs. But that's out. That's done. That's over with. That's 2000. 2018 is a long time ago. Kayvon Wallace was in college when this rule was instituted. He's had two years to practice it. You know, it's just not acceptable. Marcus, you made an excellent point about the fact that the Eagles have not turned the ball over in the first two games, which is a major plus. But a major minus is the Eagles have not gotten a turnover in the first two games either. And we were told as much during the offseason. 
But yes. the hits principle, the turnovers, that key in hits turnovers was <laughs> going to be a key aspect of the Eagles' defense. Well, they got a zippity doo on that column, too. Uh, Jonathan Gannon going to be questioned about that this week? I think he will be, but like John said, it's when they play defense this soundly, I think they gave up six points in their first game and 17 in their second. They did have a, they did force a fumble. There was a fumble that went out of bounds and it was nullified because Derek Barnett committed another, you know, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct personal foul penalty. Um, This is not a playmaker team. You can, you can preach whatever you want, but if you don't have the players to, to practice it, you don't, you don't have the players to practice it. Their linebackers are not impact linebackers. Their cornerbacks are not takeaway cornerbacks and they don't even really have a, a starting safety the way that you'd want them to have a starting safety. And that's where your turnovers come from if you don't blitz a lot. Because if you don't blitz a lot, you're not going to get to the quarterback the way that you want for those impactful plays, for you know the one-and-a-half-second, two-second pressures. You're going to get pressure, and they get pressure, and they get sacks. But the, the dynamism of this defense just doesn't exist in its personnel. And Jonathan Gannon, you know, it, it, was, it was quaint to hear him talk about the hits philosophy and, yes, we want to – we want to create turnovers because he knows he doesn't have that type of personnel. They just don't have that pedigree. Uh, Marcus, we got to get to the injuries because two significant ones, one on each side of the football, Brandon Brooks goes down. We'll see. Certainly looked like a pec injury to most of us there. Uh, Eagles called it a chest, but he was holding his right and couldn't really put any weight on his right arm. So that didn't look good. Brandon Graham looks like a torn Achilles. Um, You look at the snap counts this morning, kind of interesting the way Jonathan Gannon went forward without Brandon Graham. I thought he would have leaned more on Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett at the same time. Maybe that's the way he goes moving forward. We know about the offensive line, 14 different uh, uh, lineups last year. Um, how significant are these injuries? Can the Eagles overcome these injuries? Depth is a problem with this being, let's, let's face it. Yeah, you know, I don't want to see Brandon Graham or Brandon Brooks get hurt. They're both in their 30s. Once Graham's 33, Brooks is 32. They prepared for this eventuality. Milton Williams was drafted to give them, in the third round, to give them defensive line depth. Josh Sweat just got a contract extension to give them defensive line depth. Derek, Derek Barnett was his, uh, I guess, contract reworked or whatever to give them the defensive line depth. I'm interested to see them play. I really am. Brandon Brooks is their best lineman. He's the best guard in the league. But Landon Dickerson's fascinating. He didn't, he didn't have a great debut yesterday, but we, we've seen this before, you know, where guys, especially young guys, will have a, a rocky debut as a sub, but then play well when they have the week to prepare. So Landon Dickerson at right guard, how, how much better could the timing be him coming off that knee injury from nine, nine months ago to the day, you know? So I'm interested to see him play uh, right guard as a second round pick. And I'm very interested to see Josh Sweat get more time. However, John, I think this is true. Correct me if I'm wrong. He almost exclusively backs up Derek Barnett on the right side. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have to have a left defensive end uh, replacement. And the drop-off from Bre- – and you did see Josh Sweat come in, and I think he got a hit from the left side yesterday. So it'll be interesting for me to see if that's what happens. Um, when a team is deep, and this team is deep on the on their lines, think, you know, thanks to Howie Roseman finally figuring that, that part of the, the general manager equation out, 
when a team is deep and I'm covering that team, I'm really interested to see how deep it is. Like, you know, because you, you at some point you're going to have to move on from Brandon Graham or Brandon Brooks. Do they have those guys here? Marcus, let me take it off the field a second with the injuries. And I saw Brandon Graham's <laughs> social media post about I now have to lead from the sidelines and others are going to have to step up with that. I agree. That's what we've just been talking about the last five minutes. Who's going to step up and carry the load when the ball is in play. But the leadership aspect, unquestioned leader of the football team, Brandon Graham, one of the top ones, if not the top one, as far as a player goes, because your quarterback is still just a second year player. So veteran guy, been there, done that strip sack, Super Bowl. I don't need to list all of Brandon Graham's accomplishments. They're well enough known in this town. Can you actually lead standing on the sidelines as an injured player? Brandon Graham is, uh, you know, he's a happy guy. And he's an ebullient guy. And I don't think we appreciate enough how technically sound he is. We've made a lot of Jason Peters leading from the sideline <laughs> when Hal Kulavati Vaitai replaced him in the Super Bowl year. So, yeah, you can lead from the sideline. You can be an extra coach. There are things that players, especially young players, don't like to ask their coaches. They don't, they don't want to show weakness or an ignorance and they're, you know, the coach tells them four times and they don't want to ask a fifth. So he can be very, very valuable because there has there's nothing he hasn't seen. There's no position on the defensive line he hasn't played. You know, if, if this was, you know, Derek Barnett saying that, then no, we wouldn't have this conversation. But Brandon Graham is one of those guys that, you know, just being around the team is good for the team. All right, last one from me, Marcus. Want to thank you for getting up early. We had a long day yesterday. Read Marcus. He's uh, if he's not the best columnist in the city, he's right there with his buddy Mike Sealski at Inquirer.com. Um, it's about to be Cowboys week. We're about to kick this off. So we got the good of the Eagles in Atlanta, a little bit of the bad at Lincoln Financial Field. Can they compete in this NFC East? Oh, goodness. I think they're the best team in the NFC East. I don't, I don't think it's particularly close after them and the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense has issues. The Cowboys have a horrible coach. And, you know, <laughs> they lost one of their three-headed wide receivers. It's a very winnable game, even though it's in Dallas. And, you know, the great thing about Cowboys week, it's, it's, it's the most fun week in Philadelphia, period. And we get an extra day this time, right? It's a Monday night football game. Yeah. So, yeah, they can beat Dallas at Dallas. They can beat Dallas here. They're better than Washington, and they're better than the New York football giants, as long as Dickerson is serviceable. And I think you agree, John, as the game progressed, he became, yeah, he became he a much better down. player. He's a yeah. quick study. Yeah. All I'll tell you, Marcus, is beware Taylor Heineke. He's he's not terrible. No, I'm not going to be aware of him. So. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, see, I, I actually think the Redskins are okay, even though they're down to their backup quarterback. Excuse me, the Washington football team is okay. Uh, the Eagles are, you're right, I think it's a very close division. I don't think anybody's going to run away and hide, but I, I wouldn't write off the defending champions just yet. Uh, Marcus, great stuff. Thank you very much for coming on with us today. We will tap into you again down the road. Uh, appreciate your uh, doing it this morning with us. All right. Thank you for having me. 
Marcus Hayes, uh, Daily News Inquirer, philly.com. Call it what you want. Uh, Make sure you stay on top of Marcus. He is one of the better opinionating, generating columnists in this city. He is uh, John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys. Still got plenty to unpack from yesterday's. Yes, frustrating is one way I will use to describe it. Lost to the uh, San Francisco 49ers at Lincoln Financial Field. One and one Philadelphia Eagles. Tied for first place with that Washington football team in the and uh, the Cowboys too because they got a win yesterday. So uh, only the Giants lag behind in the NFC East. We'll come back break down the Eagles some more right here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink, go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are Birds 365. You're Mac and Mac guys. Jordan McDonald, John McMullen. 
after a <clears throat> disappointing loss to the San Francisco 49ers. If I had some stateside vodka in my rocks class, <laughs> I may have hit it after yesterday's game. John was still laboring away at the stadium. I was sitting at home going, damn, that was not good. That was a little on the ugly side. They could not come up with a stop. The quarterback that John wants to run out of San Francisco so badly. Jimmy G did successfully sneak to end the game yesterday. He does have some size on him. You got to give him at least that much, Johnny Mac. Uh, yeah, when you get beat by uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, John correctly points out the 49ers are certainly moving toward replacing at some point. They didn't need to replace him yesterday. They didn't bring Trey Lance off the bench yesterday because Jimmy G did a pretty good job of managing the game. And when you let a guy get away with managing a game and scoring 17 points and coming up short at home, that's a pretty disappointing effort by the hometown team. Yeah, I agree with that. That's I. That's what it comes down to. We want to use uh, the bottom line. I'll go to my buddy Jim Swartz, the bottom line. You know, if you give up 17 points in, in the NFL, you got to win that football game. You got to find a way to score 18. So, um. I think everything kind of came together. We're, we, we've been talking about this for a long time, Jody. You have a rookie head coach. You have a, a very young quarterback who started his sixth game, a very young receiving corps who's talented, and you see the talent with Quez Watkins. Um, but they're going to make mistakes. And, you know, interestingly, the quarterback is probably the one who has – at least overtly made the least amount of mistakes because we talk about turnovers. There's no turnovers. Now we did uh, uh, almost fumble the one away, but you know, that's pretty good over 120 minutes of football, but there are still mistakes. I mean, he's not getting the football out on time when the, when the throws are there and those little things have to improve. Now the receivers, we talked about Jalen Rager's route running with Marcus there. To call that a work in progress is is being kind, and then Nick Sirianni is getting most of the the um, taking most of the hits today because of his play calling in key situations. Yeah, look, it it doesn't matter if you don't agree with all of us who call it pandering. Nobody likes that word. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. Use whatever adjective you want to use, but it wasn't good. So what, however he got to that decision, if it's on its own, by the way, Jody, if he thought that was a good idea and he wasn't playing up to the fan base in his first game, that's probably worse, to be honest. So you should want us to be right by saying he tried to, to pander a little bit to the fan base because he'll probably learn from that and stop doing that. If he thinks that was a good decision and that was a good play call, that is the worst opinion to take because that is not good. That is that is not good at all. Here's where it bothered me, and we said this right at the top of the show, even more so than the fact that he called the play and uh, the reasoning behind calling the play is debatable. Whatever you want to believe, it doesn't much matter because the play was called and it was a failure. Just the design of the play was awful. 
you can't leave Greg Ward, who yesterday actually got in a couple snaps, more special team snaps than anything else. But in the first uh, week of the season, he hardly saw the field at all. And he saw it slightly more yesterday. You're blatantly uh, undisguising it as a play in which he may be coming back and getting the ball and maybe asked to make a pass. And then as the only wide receiver, the only potential receiver, I shouldn't call him a wide receiver, potential receiver, is Jalen Hurts, who you describe? How did you describe the route that Jalen Hurts ran on that play, John? Uh, it looked like he didn't know he was trying to run a route, but you know he's a quarterback. He's not a right. route runner, number one. And 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 by the way, Marcus had brought up, and I bring up all the time. He is a power lifter. He could have probably gotten in from the one yard line. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo can do it, Jalen Hurts can do it. And by the way, what what was Jalen Hurts' numbers yesterday running the football, Jody? Right, I'm going to pull it up. Pretty impressive, but uh, and most of it came with his uh, the ability to sneak it more than anything else. But they didn't ask him. They didn't call a quarterback sneak at all yesterday. Most of the yards were made on the outside, which is one of the things I like. I said that last week. I'd say it again today. He gets to the sidelines. Even though he is a power runner, wow. the last thing the Eagles need at this time is him turning the ball upfield, trying to get an extra two yards and taking a shot to the leg or something like that. He's very willing and able to run out of bounds, but not until after he's gotten a mega gain in the first down. Uh, that's one of the best eagle weapons that they have right now is Jalen Hurts making plays running to the outside. It's it's the best weapon. He's the team's leading rusher uh, right now. Obviously, he's the leading passer. Uh, Greg Warren didn't give him uh, a run for the money, so – you talk about his his offense, his stamp on this team. It's he's the guy. Um, again, you need more consistency throwing the football. But when I have a quarterback that can do what he can do, uh, rushing. And one part where I'll disagree with with Marcus on. Look, I talked to. I tried to get Ryan uh, Patganetti on the show this morning. Unfortunately, he tested positive for COVID. So hopefully, Ryan get better get, get well better. yeah um so he's a little bit uh not you know a little bit uh, dealing with that um you know he was the analytics guy he he he, he says this step is less analytically um, um reliant than uh doug peterson step doug was more open to it i don't i don't think it's the analytics part of fourth and three or anything of that nature and you know ryan uh had said, you know, it was at the one yard line, sneak, sneak it. You got Jalen Hurts. He yeah. says the same thing. So I I don't think that's part of the equation. I think it was a bad decision by the head coach. That's it. Sometimes right. it's you get to you simplify it. And you and I are on the same page there. It's just a flat out bad bad decision and a bad play call and didn't give them enough options. Uh, I just checking the uh, snap count yesterday Relating back to the point I asked Marcus, I want to put to you as well, um, that mid-range game. I know that's an NBA term, and people will get either annoyed or confused by it, but you understand what I'm saying, that 10 to 15-yard pass. Rather than the over-the-top, rather than the quick-hitting slant, rather than the bubble screen, the let the receiver get down the field, make a move, be able to deliver it on time, as they're making their break, you know the type of pass I'm referring to. A lot of times that is a pass that you will call 
for a tight end to make a play on, get down the field, be able to disguise where he's going to go. The Eagles have two good pass-catching tight ends. Yesterday, they were targeted a grand total of four times in the entire game, two for Goddard, two for Ertz. Goddard caught both of his, Ertz only caught one of his, but they had four targets over the entire game. Um, Not enough as far as I'm concerned. And, oh, by the way, Goddard on the field for 38 uh, snaps yesterday, which was 66% of the time. Ertz on the field for 37 plays, which was 64% of the time. So who's TE1 and TE2? They're pretty damn even yesterday as far as on the field goes. Why do you think that the tight ends were as minimal a part of the offense yesterday as they turned out to be? Well, I think it's it's really, you know, two things, part of column A, part of column B, so to speak. One is we talked about they're trying to scheme up Jalen Hurts. It's going to be the the bubble screens or the outside throws, not the intermediate throws. Uh, the second part is you, you do have to throw it in the intermediate zones at some point, even when you're you're trying to protect the quarterback. So there were throws uh, uh, in the offense, and he's just not pulling the trigger on them because whether he doesn't trust the 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 situation or 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 doesn't, you know, that's one of the most difficult things in the NFL, Jody. You can't just throw to open receivers; you have to throw receivers open, right. as they call it in the NFL. That's pretty much what you do with those intermediate routes. You throw receivers open. They might have a step, half a step, but there's going to be some traffic in there, and you got to make those throws. Dallas Goddard didn't even get a target as in, in until the fourth quarter, and then he made a big play, getting him down near the end zone for for the last touchdown, uh, for the touchdown the Eagles scored. Um, it, it, it's yeah, you would think for a young quarterback, tight ends would be the security blanket, and especially when you have good tight ends. But not in this offense because it's interesting because of what they think the strengths of Jalen Hurts are. And they're probably right. They're probably right with the strengths, and maybe that means a little less traffic. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the receivers that we thought, but you mentioned targets. I mean, yesterday the guys were Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager when it came to targets, didn't work out. I think Devontae was two of seven. Um, he did get a couple PI calls, but they were both, I don't know, you probably got a better view than I get. They, they both looked, I'd be upset if I were the 49ers. And then Rager, I think, was two of five. So you talk about there, right there, that's 12 targets. You're only completing four passes. Right. And the uh, pass interference you talk about there were two called uh, on passes to Devonta Smith. One I thought was legit. It wasn't a blatant call, but I thought it was right. It wasn't a pass interference. Yeah, it was but one I kind of raised my eyebrows out and said, 
Eagles got a break on that call. I, I, I didn't see that one quite as pass interference. You take it when you get it, but uh, it was, uh, I think, a little soft call on the 49ers' uh, defense yesterday. Um, soft was the way I would describe, I hate to say this, the Eagle offensive line after Brandon Brooks went out. You mentioned that on the very first play that Dickerson got in there, he just got totally blown up. I saw a couple of plays yesterday that I thought he got manhandled on. He got better as the game went on because it was his first ever action in the NFL. So you cut him a little bit of slack. But losing Brooks is a big part of this Eagle offensive line. That was one thing that the Eagles could have been, should have been really happy about in game number one. Offensive line across the board, all five players played 100% of the snaps uh, as compared to last year when they were plugging and playing guys on a week-in, week-out basis. I hope this is not the beginning of a trend, but uh, how big a loss is Brooks? Is Howie Roseman going to be lauded for having a guy like Dickerson to be able to plug in and play this year? I think both. I think he's a very big loss, and I think Howie Roseman's going to be lauded because I think Landon Dickerson's going to be a good player. It's probably going to take a little bit of while. It's not going to be great, but uh, look, there is a significant injury history there, and there's a reason at his age We've been talking about it all throughout the offseason. It's probably not going to get better. And here we are in week two, and we're talking about a potentially serious injury. So, uh, But one thing you should have learned from last year, Jody, I always talk about the context and and, and around the rest of the league. Guys like Nate Herbig were, were good backups. But when you say that compared to the other backups around the league, but he's not Brandon Brooks. Landon Dickerson's not going to be Brandon Brooks early on. Uh, certainly better than a lot of teams in a certain si- – if they were in a similar situation uh, to be able to go to that type of player. Um, but it's not as good. So, I mean, that's that's the whole issue with this league and attrition. In a lot of ways, it's a war of attrition. You know, how do you overcome these injuries? And the Eagles just got two big ones. Uh, one on each side of the football. And and Marcus mentioned Milton Williams. That's who they brought in to replace Brandon Graham eventually. Um, they think he's got a similar body type, similar ability to play outside and inside, move the versatility. Maybe they go that direction early on and see if Milton Williams is ready to go. Um, otherwise, you, you probably flip one or the other, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. You got Ryan Kerrigan as well. Pretty good depth, but they're not Brandon Graham. So right. when you lose players like that, it's it's impactful. It is, and we'll see if uh, Williams is up to the task. But, again, that's why you have drafts, right, John? That's why you take uh, Dickerson in the second round, because you might lose an offensive lineman. Oh, you did, game number two. That's why you take a guy like Williams, because you might lose a starting defensive lineman. Be it either inside or outside, one of Williams' strengths is his flexibility that he can go both ways. Uh, they'll be tested right off the bat. We'll see if uh, how he got guys who can step in in year number one, which will cut him a little slack because they're both rookies in this com- um, upcoming game against Dallas will be their third in their NFL career, but... Yeah, they're throwing you into the deep Yeah, end for Landon, in a lot of ways, for Landon, number two, because he, he was not active week one. Remember, he got hurt December 19th at Alabama. 
Uh, that was his first week of a being a full participant in practice. His first week back, and bang, the Eagles need him. So in a lot of ways, they got a little bit lucky that the injury uh, occurred on the week they finally got Landon Dickerson back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brandon Brooks is Brandon Brooks. The only guy in the conversation with Brandon Brooks for best guard in the NFL is Quentin Nelson. So that's that's a big loss, as it is every other time the Eagles have lost them. It is a big loss, and the Eagles are going to have to deal with it on both sides of the line, one offensive, one defensive. Um, you and I didn't get a chance to talk about this because it came down on Friday and we've been analyzing the game. Uh, over the weekend, the Eagles did reach a contract extension with Josh Sweat. Last week, I thought Josh Sweat played a heck of a game, even though he didn't get a sack. He made four tackles. I thought he was the best Eagle tackler out there against the Falcons. He gets his contract done, three-year extension, $40 million plus, $26 million guaranteed, and then he took a goose egg yesterday. Did not show up on the stat sheet. No tackles. No tackles were lost. No sacks. Um, I don't think he was resting on his laurels. I think it's more of a coincidence than anything. But they did make the choice. It was going to be a Barnett or a Sweat extension. We projected all offseason that, well, they'll probably get one of the two of them extended so they're not both going into free agency during the offseason. We now know which one of the Eagles prioritized. That was Josh Sweat, number one. I think he deserved to be the one that was prioritized. Number two for you, good deal, bad deal. Did they make the right call? 40 and change. I think it's like 40. They can go up to 43 with a couple of uh, incentives involved. Yeah. Um, uh, did they do the right thing extending Josh Wett in John McMullen's opinion? Yeah. I mean, that deal, and I know this is hard for people to uh, – uh, you know, wrap, get their heads wrapped around when you're talking about so much money, but that is a really, really team friendly deal. If Josh Sweat turns into the player, the Eagles think he's going to turn into. So that's part of it. You evaluate, you think this guy's going to be a, a star player. And then if he becomes a star player, this contract looks like the biggest bargain in the history of the world. And then Josh Sweat's camp, to be honest, is probably complaining that they're underpaid pretty quickly. That's kind of how this thing works. Same with Jordan Mailata, even more so because bigger numbers at that position, that is a very, very team-friendly deal. So I've gotten that question uh, from a number of Eagles fans. Why not Dallas Goddard? Why not? Well, the, Dallas Goddard's a tougher negotiation. He's a more proven player. He's already proven around the league. The league thinks of him as a top-tier player tight end, if he bets on himself, he's going to be the highest-paid tight end in football. Doesn't mean he's going to be the best tight end. It means it's his time, the circumstance, it's his turn. That's how this thing works. <clears throat> so it's a much tougher negotiation. In other words, if he would have taken the team-friendly deal, if he would have taken the deal the Patriots gave one of their tight ends, he'd probably be signed as well. Uh, but his his agent uh, is being a little bit smarter about it, not just signing uh, on the dotted line. Whereas Mylotta and Sweat, for all their uh, ability and and possibilities, they're not as proven around the league as a Dallas Goddard is. So there's there's a different there's a difference. It's a different type of negotiation. 
it's a more difficult negotiation with Dallas Goddard. So what I was surprised, though, Jody, he's coming off this contract, Josh Sweat, was the numbers, was the rep numbers, especially when Brandon Graham goes down. First of all, Derek Barnett starts. Josh Sweat is down. Let me pull it up. Um, the, 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 um, 28 reps, 40%. Obviously, it was a game plan thing. Uh, for some reason, now, we talked about the 49ers running game, run scheme. The Eagles did a good job against it. You could see they had game plan for that because Avante Maddox was really down. The nickel corner, only 30%. Typically, uh, they're playing like starter numbers against a, a, a normal, a more conventional NFL offense. Eric Wilson as the top uh, pass coverage linebacker was down. Jannard uh, Avery was way up as the Sam linebacker to get an extra big body on the field. So a lot of interesting changes. I think when they get back to Dallas in a more conventional 11 personnel setup, it, it'll give you a better indication how they're going to move forward. But uh, you would think Josh Sweat's got to be out there more. I, that, that was my biggest surprise. Right. And I mentioned the fact that uh, he did not – uh, hit the score sheet yesterday. No tackles, no sacks. Well, he got a hurry. He got a big hurry. He did. He did get a hurry, um, but he didn't come up with any tackle. Well, part of it was you're right. He was on the field a little bit less than I thought he was going to be. <clears throat> I I will say this about the Eagles yesterday on the defensive side, and they, they they did just give up 17 points, and they dominated the first three times. 49s had the ball, couldn't get a first down. Oh, I yeah. said, damn, this is they, they picked up right where they left off from the Atlanta game, but. Jimmy G, your favorite quarterback, uh, did make some plays, and he did. Uh, and by the way, Javon Hargrave was a monster early again. Um, that guy is playing. He has really ticked it up. He is playing at a really high level to the point. It's only two games, but this is the first time in a very long time, Jody, that Fletcher Cox has not been the best defensive tackle on the Eagles through two games, granted. I think he will be through 17, but Javon Hargrave has been unbelievable in the first two games. Hargrave, the only Eagle yesterday with a tackle for loss. They had two for the entire game, and Jason Hargrave had both of them. Um, here's where I want to both uh, praise and, and question Eagle defense, uh, the praise being the fact that George Kittle, best tight end in football, you told me that, I think Kelsey is the best tight end in football because uh, catching the ball down the field, making plays, to me, outweighs the all-around aspect of the game. Kittle is a really good inline blocker, which is not Kelsey's strong suit, but he is so much more effective in the passing game. And a lot of that has to do with he's catching it from Mahomes, and George Kittle has to catch it from Jimmy middle of the road, Garoppolo. Um, but I, I would put... Kelsey, I had a kittle, but I understand your stance of hey, if you're talking about the total package, then you got to go kittle. That is very true. Four receptions, 17 yards. They kept them in check. Now that's a good job by the Eagles defense. I'll give credit to Gannon for one. Any individual player you want to give an add a guy for minimizing George Kittle's effect on yesterday's game? Well, I I <laughs> Now, if you look at the nine, other than Debo Samuel, um, 
I, I mean, everything was near the line of scrimmage. So I think part of it was uh, Jonathan Gannon's uh, zone scheme, which he's been using. So uh, that's a, a keep everything in front of you type of thing. And Jimmy Garoppolo, which I'm probably picking on, as you pointed out. But, I mean, he's not the type of the guy that's going to test and uh, trying to make, you know, Brett Favre tight window throws when you're having that zone. So he was uh, content with sort of dumping the ball off. And that's – if you take Samuel out of the mix, I mean, <laughs> look at those 49er receiver numbers for everybody. You got Hasty four for 21. I'm pulling it up. Kittle, four for 17. Jennings, two for 17. Jusak, two for 15. Mitchell, two for 11. Sherfield one for nine. Ayuk, one for six. There wasn't a, a there was a 40-yard play from Samuel, a couple big plays. Jennings had an 11-yard receiving. Mitchell had an 11-yard receiving. I mean, that's that's unbelievable defense. And you got to win the football game from the defensive perspective. Now you can pick out things. You can pick out the uh, personal foul calls as we did with Marcus, certain things, but man, that's good. And the, and the modern, when you go to other games and Sunday night being the best example of this explosive plays all over the place in this league, just X play, X play, X play. See Kyler Murray yesterday, X play, X play, X play, X play. Everywhere, just explosive plays on the field. That's the reason why the 49ers drafted Trey Lance. They want to get to that point eventually. But from the Eagles' uh, um, perspective defensively, I got a really tough time criticizing them. I really do. Except, I'll go ahead and I'll take a shot. Um, And Marcus pointed this out as well, and I'll stretch the point. This isn't a playmaking defense. They have exactly zero turnovers. You're right in that they kept everything in front of them and there were no X plays. 94-yard drive, 97-yard drive. You know what you need? You got to get off the field. You got to have somebody get a hand in on a pass on third down and knock it down and make them punt the football. They didn't do that yesterday. They continued, and a couple of them were really bad penalty first downs, additions to lengthy drives. But Jimmy G went 90-plus twice in a game. End of the first half, beginning of the fourth quarter, good defenses don't let teams go 90-plus yards on them and stick it in the end zone. The Eagles went 90-plus yards on the 49ers and what the 49ers do. They jumped up and got a goal line stand and didn't let the Eagles not only not get a touchdown, not score because of the decision to go for it on fourth down. That's part of the mix too, Johnny Mack. Well, I, I I would agree with Marcus in, in your sentiment as well to a point. I've been talking about you know, for months that there's not a lot of talent at the linebacker position on this team. There just isn't. They haven't put a, a lot of assets into it. Undrafted free agents, Eric Wilson undrafted, uh, one-year deal, prove-it deal. Alex Singleton came into this league undrafted. Gerard Avery mid-round pick, Patrick Johnson, seventh-round pick, on and on. Davion Taylor finally got on the field. He got hurt again. We talked about injuries. He hurt his calf again. You know, he's the one guy who maybe could be a difference maker if he could ever get on the field because of his athleticism, but that seems to be a long way off. 
Uh, so I agree with you at the linebacker position. You know, but part of your plan when you're keeping everything in front of you, and this is what people hated really about uh, uh, Jim Schwartz, part of your plan is uh, that the other team makes a mistake. So if you force them to go 12 or 13 or 14 plays, um, at some point they'll make a mistake. So Jimmy Garoppolo does deserve credit for not doing that, for get, for managing the game, for not uh, making that key mistake. So it's kind of a give and take, and that's what Alex Smith was um, all those years. He was just a really smart quarterback who didn't make a lot of mistakes. And if you do that, you can win a lot of football games. And that's where the 49ers have been over the past number of years, when they're healthy. And where they are right now is 2-0 and in the NFC West, where Seattle Seahawks let one slip away yesterday. Uh, and we're talking That's a good division, man. That's a yeah. good division. My, my prediction was not here on Birds 365, but elsewhere I said I thought all four NFC West teams are going to make the playoffs, which would mean all three wildcard spots coming out of the same division. I'm still good with that. They were very this close to being undefeated in the division across the board, 2-0 and with every single team. Seattle let one slip out of their hands. And as I'm watching that game, and Derrick Henry is running all over the place. You know who I thought of? Arthur Smith with the Falcons going, Nah. Yeah, it was so much easier when I had Derrick Henry as part of my uh, play play calling ability, not as much with the Atlanta Falcons. All right, uh, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, we are your Birds 365 guys. We're going to get our main Birds 365 replacement off the board with us, Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, going to come up next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates. 
toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Bird 365 on a day after a loss. We've never done this before on Bird 365. But as Marcus Hayes said earlier, accurately, it may have been the first. It won't be the last. Uh, yeah, we plan on being here after all the Eagle games, wins and losses. Here to help us look at a loss is our buddy who fills in. When Johnny Mac can't be here as the co-host, we punch him up as a guest every once in a while. And he's got a bit different backdrop today. Yeah, where, yep, where we what the, the hell? How did backdrop. you get this stateside backdrop? Yeah, you can ask the boss man himself how I got this one. Yeah. If man, anybody that's... deserves it, it's me. I'm the one that needs a stateside right about now. Well, we all could use a stateside. Yeah. I, I digress. Um, I don't want to ask you this one, Jeff. Anytime after a loss, people are going to lean more toward analyzing the negative. That's just human nature, and I'm not faulting anyone, us two included, for doing just that. Those fall, those analysis usually fall into one of two categories. One, it's a concern going forward as well. It was a concern yesterday during the loss, and uh-oh, this is something we're probably going to have to continue to deal with. And another that, all right, yeah, did that, you screwed that up. That was a bad deal. They could have done better, but it isn't something that I'm going to worry about. It's probably isolated to today's game more so than something that uh, you're going to see play out over the season. What was the biggest isolated uh-oh for you that uh, the Eagles did something you said, yeah, that's not good. That contributed to the loss. That bothers the snot out of me. But yeah, I'll reserve right to second guess it again down the road because I think they'll be able to clean that up. What was the one that stood out for you yesterday as a major contributor that doesn't worry you going forward? I think the passing game is honestly going to be a lot better than it was yesterday. I mean, and you're going to see that with a quarterback who's only made six career starts. Everybody wants to get on Jalen Hurts. I, I saw some people say last night, well, if this keeps up, he should be benched. I'm like, seriously, we're going that route already? This is absolutely ridiculous now. Okay, he the, he missed a couple throws. I, th- I think the coaching staff didn't put him in the best position to succeed yesterday. They're trying all these kill shots, these deep shots. A couple of deep balls are underthrown. Well, I hate to tell you, Lamar Jackson was the best player on the football field last night playing the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and he overthrew and underthrew a couple of passes. It's the NFL. It happens. Uh, I'm not worried about that. I was more concerned about why didn't this team get the ball to the tight ends more? Why did it take so long to get the ball to Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at all. I, what did they end up with? Two catches? I, something like that? It, it was absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I, I wish they would have tried to go a little bit more over the middle, try to get some screen passes to running backs. I, I just didn't like how 
let's just go deep to Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, and I, I know. Again, what happened to Devonta Smith yesterday? Was Leonor that that good at covering him? Well, Jeff, all right, I'm going to defend the coaching staff. Rare, rarely here. Oh, I mean, no. right now, right now, that's what Jalen does well is the manufactured stuff, and he re- also really throws the deep ball typically well when he can throw outside the numbers, drop it in the bucket. The intermediate stuff is the concern. Jody and I have been talking about that. Can he get the football out on time? Can he throw receivers open? Is he comfortable throwing receivers open? Nick Sirianni made a big deal about playing from the lead, and I said all all teams want to play from the lead, but the Eagles almost have to play from the lead to have their entire offense on the board. So you look at the second-half passing numbers, they are what they are, 38 yards. When you got to drop back and throw the football because you're losing, that's not the strength of Jalen Hurts right now. Is that is that fair to put it all on the coaching staff or say they're trying to scheme up a young quarterback who's still raw and got a long way to go? Well, I thought early in the game, too, it was a concern you know, that they were trying a lot of these deep shots. And I get they were trying to build a lead like you said, John, but to me – my issue is with them. What you know? What was the coaching staff actually doing outside of that? Like the, the Eagles had the opportunity to get a ten nothing lead. I, I, I'm sorry, nothing infuriates me more in football than when you can't get first and goal from the one. And the way they did it was that that third down play they oh, ran with Hurts. Yeah, that third down play they ran with Hurts. That should have been the first down play, straight up. Just give the ball to Jalen Hurts and let the guy score. That's one of his strengths. And I don't know if Sirianni explained this or not. I went to the other, uh, the 425 games when the press conference and stuff was going on. But uh, to me, it was that lead you were talking about, John, they should have had a 10 nothing lead at, at least. You know, they had a blocked field goal in there. Maybe it should have even been 13 nothing. But that gave Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo a chance to – keep that offense doing that zone run scheme and basically gassing that defense. I think that was another big takeaway from this game. I thought the defense actually played really well. They were just on the field so much in that second half. Jeff, one of the things that uh, I would say cause from concern, maybe long-term, but probably not just a bad day at the office. Eagles didn't run the ball out all that effective yesterday. And I'll be honest when Jalen hurts takes off after a drop back, and takes off down the field. I don't count that as a running play. If it's a designed running play and the quarterback's going to keep the ball, okay, fine. That's part of the rushing attack. A avoid a sack sprint out doesn't count for me. Miles Sanders, okay. Kenneth Gainwell, not great. Uh, Jalen, undesigned runs, only okay. Offensive line didn't always win the point of attack. Uh, they did last week in Atlanta, but a better front that San Francisco had yesterday. Uh, how did you see the Eagle running game yesterday against San Francisco? It was okay. Uh, it took a major hit once Brandon Brooks got hurt. Um, I don't know. Like I like Landon Dickerson a lot. I just think he was thrown into the fire, and it, it wasn't that great yesterday. I I think Lane Johnson kind of pointed that out. You know uh, that how much they miss Brandon Brooks, but. I thought they could have gave the ball to Miles Sanders a little bit more and not just running the ball, like, you know, passing the ball on a couple screen plays in there. But you got to give credit to the 49ers up front. That's a really, really good defensive line they're facing. I mean, they did have the most pressures in the league in week one for a reason. And uh, they just controlled the line of scrimmage, I I thought, on both ends of of the ball yesterday. And ultimately, I think that's why they were able to pull off a six-point win. It it was a hard-nosed football game, and 
look, you know, I know a lot of Eagles fans probably thought that they could beat the 49ers, especially at home, but gotta give the 49ers credit here. This is a really good football team. This this isn't a this isn't a bad loss by any stretch for for this Eagles team. I, uh, as far as the route running, Jeff, uh, because you mentioned, you know, how do you get Devontae Smith involved? Uh, more so Jalen Rager. Devontae only caught two of seven targets. Um, I think Jalen was two of five. Jalen should have had the touchdown. That's all on Jalen Rager. Nick Sirianni was trying to defend him uh, this morning on WIP, his contractually obligated spot that he has to have with the flagship radio station. Well, let's face it, you get banged down the football field all the time. The corners are going to bump you, try to get you out, try to get you to step out. Honestly, I don't know what the field judge was doing on that play because he stepped out twice and they still called it a touchdown. These are young receivers. I I mean, there's going to be some hiccups, and we saw the hiccups. Is is, is, is it too much to expect – that these guys be uh, star players and and be effective week after week after week. Yeah, I, I think collectively, you're asking a lot out Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Wes Walk, and look, Wes Watkins had a good game yesterday. Caught the 91 yard catch, two catches for 117 yards. In my opinion, that's a really good game. That, you no matter how you slice and dice it, and yeah, but you're right, John. There is going to be some hiccups there. Like I, I saw after the Rager, um, I think it might have been BLG who said it. Oh, you. Know, kind of like a bus thing or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's going a little bit too far here. You know, he, he you know, he was kind of pushed out, but he, he could have done a little bit better job at selling that or uh, again, but that's a second year receiver who hasn't even played 20 career games yet. You know, it's hard to judge, you know, th- these wide receivers off every single play when they really haven't had that much experience yet. You know, Wes Watkins is going to have his hiccups. Uh, Devonta Smith had his hiccups yesterday. And uh, they're still going to be pretty good players for this football team. Uh, that was my big concern of why I felt the Eagles needed a veteran in here back, back in training camp. Just someone for the quarterback to rely on on the outside that can get the ball. I mean, but here's the other issue. This is why you have Zach Ertz. This is why you have Dallas Goddard. When those three aren't, connecting or you know if they're not catching the football or getting open you gotta go to tight ends here you, you gotta help your quarterback out in some way shape or form jeff how much have the eagles missed rodney mcleod knew that that was a good chance he was going to be able to not going to be able to start the season they didn't put him on the ir which was an option and i'm not squabbling over the ooh extra spot on the roster that they could have saved i don't know that that makes uh, that big a difference, but Rodney hadn't played in the first two weeks, and we don't know if he's going to be able to play this week coming up against Dallas. How much have they missed him on the back end? I think they missed him a bit. I thought they missed him on the Debu Samuel forty yard catch. I thought they missed him on the on the touchdown there, uh, the forty nine touchdown right before the half. You know, it, it's it's definitely it's it's a concern. I'll say that. You know, I don't think they're sure where to play Marcus Epps more or Kayvon Wallace more. I think Wallace ended up out-snapping uh, Epps yesterday by – it was like eight or nine or something like that. wasn't that much, but they have depth. It's just that they need Rodney McLeod in there to with Anthony Harris. I, I think they're just missing something in the run game, something in the pass game. But but they're getting by right now. I mean, they're only allowing 11.5 points per game for two games. Like the That's 49ers, pretty good. 
Yeah, that's that's really good. I mean, the 49ers are the only team in the NFL to score 40 the week before. And I know yeah. one was a defensive touchdown, but they still scored 34 points. So, again, when you're top five in points per game, in yards allowed per game, you have to feel pretty good about it considering your defense isn't fully healthy. And it, it, they do miss Rodney McLeod a little bit, but it's – it's not like Marcus Epps and Kayvon Wallace aren't getting the job done. It's just, I just don't think the Eagles know which one they actually want to play right now. Yeah, and they're different types of players. So let's keep it with the defense then, Jeff. It, it, it's, you know, you mentioned they give up six points week one. They give up 17 points week two. I mean, I, I don't know how much in the modern NFL you turn on another game. You, I was telling Jody, you just see explosive plays all over the place, just X play, X play again and again and again, big chunk plays, which everybody talks about. The Eagles almost went six quarters, uh, not giving up a gain of over 20 yards until Debo's uh, 40-yard gain towards the end of the half. I don't know how much it gets better. Is this fan base just obsessed with blitz, 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 do this, do this, do this, and it's not going to be content with a sound defensive plan because let's face it, Jonathan Gannon has to mask some deficiencies, especially at the second level of linebackers. So how much more could you expect from that defense right now? You know, growing up in this town and basically there, there's two things I always say where Eagles fans can be delusional that they should blitz every time, thanks to a coach who never won a playoff game here. But yet, you know, he's beloved. And another uh, defense coordinator who I loved in Jim Johnson, he blitzed a lot. But they also came up small in championship games time in and time out. You know, look at Arizona, for example. And uh, look, Jim Johnson was a great defense coordinator. Buddy Ryan was a great defense coordinator. He was a fine head coach. I'm not criticizing him too much, but I'm looking at it as – you know, they, these teams don't do this anymore. I don't know. Everybody wants to dwell over Tom Brady throwing five touchdown passes yesterday. That's great. He needed all five of them because Atlanta was ripping that Tampa Bay defense apart. That same Atlanta offense that couldn't score a touchdown off the Philadelphia Eagles. So, look, I, I think this defense has been fine. It's a, yeah, did they not get to Jimmy Garoppolo? That's fine. I, I, I'd love to see how quick Jimmy Garoppolo got rid of the football yesterday. because Very quick. Yeah. Not comfortable at all. The entire game. So you're you're right. I mean, he was he was skittish back there. And it's not about getting the sack, it's about getting the quarterback uncomfortable. It, I don't know how much better this defense could have been through two games, to be honest. And look, this is a great 49ers offense. Like they stopped Eli Mitchell. I mean, Detroit, you know, obviously Detroit's not the Eagles, but Eli Mitchell ran all day up Detroit. I thought Trey Sermon was gonna have a big game. He didn't, and I don't care what anybody says. That's a fumble. Uh, you know, I hate that rule. It's I get it, but I hate the rule. That's a fumble. Eagles should have got the ball. I, I digress on that. But, again, like, I, I thought this team uh, – really, the only concern I have about this defense is, I'm, what do they have, only one takeaway through two games? Do they even have a takeaway at this point? No, no takeaways, no. but nor have they given the ball up. Yeah, and, that's good, too. The plus minus is zippity doodah. It's no plus minus for the Eagles so far in the first two games. Uh, I will say this, and maybe this will annoy some Eagle fans. They're facing the best offense they face so far next week. I know the Lions somehow put up 40-some-odd points, as you pointed out. There was one defensive touchdown. I'll tell you that's uh, kind of Blackwood 
defense by the, the Lions. They didn't play very well in week number one, and I don't think they're going to play very well tonight. I think Rodgers is going to put up 40 against them too, but that's just me. The Cowboys were effective week one against Tampa. They got outplayed. Tom Brady got the football last. He made the game-winning play. He won. Uh, and then yesterday, Dak Prescott, again, very efficient in his play with the Cowboys offensively. They go and beat the uh, Chargers on the road in L.A. This is the best offense they're going to have played so far. How do you think they match up against that Cowboy O? They got to stop that running game, and that's why I thought the Chargers uh, lost that game. They couldn't stop Tony Pollard, who had 100 yards and a touchdown. Zeke had a touchdown. I, I mean, look, this team could beat you in so many ways, and I don't think Eagles fans realize this. They, they think, you know, oh, Dallas, it, it's just they pass all the time with Dak Prescott. I mean, they have Amari Cooper. They have CeeDee Lamb. I know Michael Gallup's her. You know, uh, Dalton Schultz is a nice tight end there. Uh, Zach Martin makes all the difference in the world for that running game, you know, now that he's back. And I – Again, this is a team that – look, if the Eagles hold them to 25 points, they're going to have a shot to win the football game. I mean, I, I thought they had a shot doing that with San Francisco if they held them to 25 points, and they did. You know, I think this defense will be up for the challenge. I This is definitely – and look, this is going to be a great test for week four when they play Kansas City. It doesn't get any easier for this football team Ooh, coming up, especially right – <laughs> look, Carolina even looks pretty good right now with Sam Darnold. It's yeah. – it's one of those where I, I'll tell you what it's. I, I think Dallas is going to throw every nook and cranny at them. I think Kellen Moore is going to be ready to try to confuse them as best he can. But I honestly think right now the key to the Dallas offense is stopping Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And yesterday the Chargers, uh, I think they have a pretty solid defense, and they just couldn't do it. Well, let's take that a little further, Jeff, and and kind of expand on this because I you this is a crazy league. We know about it. On paper, it doesn't look good if you're looking at Kansas City the way they can move the football up and down the field. But even Dallas before that, um, can this team win a shootout? I've been talking about it for a long time. Can they win a shootout? I mean, it's evident. Nick Sirianni admitted they want to play from the lead. That that indicates they want to manage the football game. Can they win a 35-30 game, a 40-35 game? Will they even be in that conversation? That, you know, that's what I was going to ask you, John. They're even going to be in that, you know. But I think if the game gets crazy because they have a quarterback that can take off and can make plays with his legs, I think they will be in a shootout at some point. It may not be with Dallas, but maybe with a team like Kansas City who can't stop anybody through two weeks and Andy Reid, Parked on that last night. Look, we're going to get this fixed. It's it's you know it's a long season and you know typical Andy Reid fashion. But you know I, I see teams that like Kansas City they had trouble stopping the run last night. And I know Baltimore is really good against the run, but Cleveland was able to do that too. The Eagles should be able to pound the ball against a team like Kansas City, but a team like Dallas, it's I, I don't want them going to a shootout with them. I want them, you know, Dallas. I think they're going to rack up a lot of yards. It's can they rack up a lot of points? Can they finish the job in the end in the red zone? That's what I want to see. And that th that's how the Eagles can stay in this game. But to answer your question, John, I'm really not sure if they could win a shoot. I mean, they, they were in a shootout last year of Arizona and it didn't go too well for them. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's something I really don't want to figure out the answer to, but it's going to happen at some point. It's, I think they have the quarterback that can win a shootout. I just don't know if, they really have, or, or their playmakers can mature enough to actually finish off the job or win that situation. 
Jeff, need your take on this. Uh, we have Marcus Hayes on earlier. I got his, and, and John has shared his. Uh, need yours, too. Brandon Graham goes down yesterday, and even though it's not official, it very much looks like he's done for the entire season with the Achilles that he has. He even said so himself on his social media account after the game. I'll be leading from the sidelines. It's up to others to step up now. Uh, we'll see if they step up on the field. My question to you is about the leadership aspect, which Brandon said he'll be leading from the sidelines. Can you do that? He is a key leader on this team, has been, uh, would have been, had not been for the injury been this year. Uh, there are some young guys in positions on this football team that you're, you're usually looking for leadership, quarterback, coach, and the like, that guys are wet behind years. Certainly Brandon Graham is not is someone else going to have to step into his leadership role who's actually putting the pads in on Sunday? How does his loss affect the Eagles from a leadership standpoint? I mean, you could definitely leave from the sidelines, but it's not the same as being out there on the football field, you know, being the guy who's played 161 out last 162 games for this football team. I think this is where Fletcher Cox has to step up a little bit. And I think Rodney Clark coming back will help them. But, you know, Darius Slay's got to take, more of a leadership role. I mean, Steve Nelson's new. I think he's a veteran, though. He should be able to do that. And unfortunately, Derek Barnett has to take on that role. But Barnett keeps making boneheaded play after boneheaded play every single week. It's it, That's frustrating, too. So I don't know if he could actually be a leader. But they are going to miss that with Brandon Graham. I mean, this is a good thing why they have Ryan Kerrigan on this team. Because, it, you know, maybe Kerrigan can kind of fill that role Graham had. But, I mean, losing Brandon Graham, that's – it's not going to be easy to overcome. I mean, he's pretty much one of the hearts. I'll say he's the heart and soul of the defense. He really is. You know, he's, he's a guy, he's a franchise icon, probably made the biggest play in franchise history. The young players look up to him. Um, Earl Wolf, for example, you guys remember Earl Wolf? I mean, yeah. he was tweeting about Brandon Graham saying, you know, what type of a leader he was. And this, you know, they were in the same draft class. I believe, I think that was back in 2010 saying, you know, how the, that guy's always resilient. He, perseveres and i'm like wow you know earl wolf hasn't been in the nfl for like eight years and you're, you're thinking that that highly of you know your former teammate it's i'll tell you what they're gonna miss brandon graham they're gonna miss him a lot they missed him a lot yesterday i think if brandon graham doesn't get hurt they might be able to get more pressure on garoppolo and, and it makes a difference it's now we're gonna find out how good josh sweat can be how good Derek Barnett can be because the Eagles are going to need them badly over the next 15 weeks. Yeah. And, and let's throw Milton Williams into that equation as well, Jeff, because he's the guy who the Eagles drafted as a Grant Brandon Graham type player. Obviously they didn't want it to come this quickly, but they think he can play outside and move inside with that type of versatility um, can they keep Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat in that rotation on the right side, put Milton Williams on the left side, or, or do you have to go more better and centric? Do you have to get Barnett and Sweat on the field with a little Ryan Kerrigan mixed in? I think you got to get both Barnett and Sweat on the field. I think you got to figure out which one is better on the left side, which one's better on the right side. I kind of go for there. Uh, personally, I wouldn't take Josh Sweat off the football field at all. I, I, I don't know why Derek Barnett – continues to out-snap him. I, I mean, I get Barnett's better at stopping the run. And, you know, yesterday the matchup presented itself where I, I think it favored Barnett more. But I, I think you got to keep both of these guys on the football field, not just for, you know, defensive purposes, but the Eagles got to figure out what they have in Derek Barnett, if we don't already know. You know, if, can this guy, if he plays more snaps, 
is he worth signing to a contract extension? Or, you know, is he worth giving Josh Sweat money to? Or even more than Josh Sweat money to? I, I, I think you have to find out sooner or later what you have in Derek Barnett. Because for five years, I really don't know outside of a couple penalties and a couple flashes. And But I would keep Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat on this football field and rotate Milton Williams in and rotate Ryan Kerrigan in. I, I think that's the four you got to go with right now. But Barnett and Sweat are the two I, I'd leave on the field. Jeff, last one from me for you. Um, this is a week of firsts for the Eagles in a lot of different ways uh, with the new head coach, with a quarterback who is the quarterback uh, to start the season for the first time. We know Jalen started last year, but uh, it's his team right now. So they're, they're learning and growing and doing some things for the first time. What do we learn about Nick Sirianni this week? coming off his first loss. It was very easy this past week because it was all smiles and rainbows with the butt kicking they put on Atlanta. This one's an L, and this one is an L that could have been avoided except for a couple of big mistakes and a couple of poor decisions by the coach, which he certainly alluded to after the game. How is Nick Sirianni going to handle this team motivationally after their first loss in his reign? I think it'll be fun. I think Nick Sirianni is going to be one of those guys, okay, you know, it's a tough loss. It's a learning experience. And I, I think he told me a lot in that press conference yesterday, owning up to the bad uh, Philly special call on court for one, saying, hey, look, my bad. You know, I got to do a better job. And I think his players are going to gravitate toward that. I honestly think Nick Sirianni has been okay through two weeks. It's, you know, you, know, you guys know how it is. Social media. Everybody wants to hype up Nick Sierra. Nick Sirianni is the next Vince Lombardi, the next Andy Reid, the next Bill Belichick. And now he's Ray Rhodes, Mike McCormick, and yeah, Mary and Campbell all rolled into one after one game. And I'm like, can we just take a chill pill on this guy a little bit? He, he's a fine coach, you know. And I agree with you, John. I am tired. I'm already tired of let's wear AI stuff. And Eagles buy a hundred because he wears this. It's like, come on, man. You know, it's just let the guy coach. Let the guy – learn and figure things out here. Uh, I think he's doing a pretty good job through two weeks. I think this team's going to be motivated to play Dallas. I think he knows how big this game is. And, I mean, we all know as well as anybody, you're beloved in this city if you can beat the Dallas Cowboys. I, I know there's a certain head coach that beat the Dallas Cowboys a lot and doesn't get the love he deserves, and that's Andy Reid. But Nick Sirianni can really put a statement on the NFC East with a win over Dallas because I, I, right now through two weeks, I, and I think Washington's right in it, but I still think the Eagles and Dallas right now are the two best teams in this division. And Washington, it doesn't get any easier for them because they're going to face Buffalo this week, and Buffalo looked really, really good against Miami. Another guy who's doubting Taylor Heineke. I'm telling you, beware the Heineke. Beware. He's not too shabby. He was okay. I'd like to have a Heineke with my stateside vodka. But uh, no, nah, uh, all right. <laughs> Last one from me, Jeff, is uh, this this season's about answering questions for the Philadelphia Eagles. N number one is is Jalen Hurts, the future of this team at the game's most important position. We're through 120 minutes of football. Where are we there? Where are we on the scale taking that temperature? Where where is Jalen Hurts as far as proving not to the fan base, not to everybody, proving to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie that he can be the future of this franchise? 
if I could go in Howie Roseman's head, I would. But this is so difficult because I think he played great one game and I think he was okay the next. And I really don't know. I, You know, I thought Jalen Hurts is the only reason they had a touchdown yesterday, an offensive touchdown against the 49ers, you know, because of his mobility. And look, I, this is what I think. If you're Howie Roseman, you're Jeffrey Lord, you have to watch the Chiefs game, the Ra- Chiefs-Ravens, and Cardinals-Vikings. They won those the the Ravens and the Cardinals won because they have mobile quarterbacks who can make plays out of this world. That's what Jalen Hurts can do, or that is what I think his ceiling is. And I think that is the future of the NFL quarterback position. And I'll tell you what, Patrick Mahomes can even do it too. Like he can make some plays on the run that are just phenomenal. You know, he can take off whenever he wants. You know, people don't view him as a running quarterback, but he kind of is in a sense. I think Jalen Hurts can do that. I, I think he can be that type of guy. I don't think he's as athletic as those guys, but I think you got to give him every opportunity this year. And and again, I, I, but for two games, it's, who knows what they're thinking. But look, unless you draft Malik Wills or Carson Strong next year, you know th- this is the type of quarterback that is going to win you football games in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts can do that. And I, I seriously thought the Eagles were going to get the ball back. Jalen Hurts would have given them an excellent opportunity to win that football game yesterday. I think he was gassing that 49ers defense out, and I thought the 49ers are actually going to pull off what they tried to pull off last week and let the Lions come back because good thing that they didn't get the ball back because I think Jalen Hurts would have just willed them down the field with his legs and they would have found a way to score. JK, good stuff. Uh, happy to have you aboard. Uh, we'll catch up, uh, catch up with you again soon enough, my friend. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, here with us on Birds 365. All right, uh, we got less than 10 minutes left, but that means we still have more to discuss. Need to put a bow on the show. Unfortunately, a losing bow. First time ever on Birds 365. We'll do just that coming up next. Stay here. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spot on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. 
At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mega Mac dies coming down a home stretch of a our first losing Birds 365 show. Eagles got beat yesterday at home by the 49ers, 14 to 11. Uh, John, I I've been meaning to ask you this since it started the show. We had kind of more important things to talk about, like the loss and why and how it all played out. But you either texted or tweeted me yesterday, and I apologize, I don't remember which, that Andre Dillard eligible for receiving <laughs> oh, I called it that's why. you did you you, yeah. you did some nice reporting unearthing of potential that now i gotta ask he did play two offensive plays yesterday uh, and i'm assuming he was eligible on both plays because they didn't take out any of their starters other than uh brooks who got hurt and they weren't throwing andre dillard in over on right tackle yeah. number one he's not right a tackle right, number no. two he's not good on the right hand side yeah. so there was no chance of him playing from the line of scrimmage on a regular down, but he was in for two downs as an extra lineman in either of the two plays. Did he get more than a yard off the line of scrimmage? No, he was an extra blocker. That's what he was. That's uh, what I tried to explain last week. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting. They're going to try to get him involved, you know, but speaking of Andre Dillard, you never want this to happen, but I, I did think it would have been interesting what they would have done if, and I don't want this, I hate to say it, but if Lane Johnson left for a couple plays with an ankle injury or something, they didn't activate Brett Toth because Landon Dickerson was ready. So they had to make that decision. Who was going to be up? Who was going to be down? They activated Dickerson, Herbig, Dillard. So Dillard was the swing tackle. Now, would Jordan Mailata move to the right side and Andre Dillard come in at left tackle? I thought that it would have been interesting to see what Nick Sirianni would have had to do in a certain circumstance. But if Brett Toth isn't in there, isn't active, and it, it'll be interesting. Do you want to move Jordan Mailata off left tackle just to placate Andre Dillard? Otherwise, he'd have to play right tackle. You You want my guess? I think they'd let him play right tackle. That's no, my I, guess. I don't. I think they play Herbig out there. Wow. Yeah. I, I think they throw him in before they'd move my lot out, which they don't want to do. Before they put Dick uh 
Dillard out there, which they don't want to do because we've seen there, been that, been there, done that, doesn't work. Uh, if you go, well, uh, maybe I'll go this way instead. And again, this I just don't think crappy. Nate Herbig's a tackle. Yeah, I don't think. I, nor do I. But then let me ask you this as a question. Who's more of a tackle, Dickerson or Herbig? Dickerson. Dickerson is just. So uh, then maybe you plug Herbig in at right guard and you kick Dickerson out the right tackle. Well, I do know Jeff Stoutland hates moving parts, so he doesn't want to. That's why I think he would just throw. How, is, how does Stoutland get away with that? The NFL these days is all about moving parts. Well, that's and that's, who makes the team. It's the guy who's got the most flexibility. How can is Stoutland not talking well, to his general manager? Howie Roseman loves flexibility. Well, by, by moving parts, I mean, if you have to replace one position, you replace one position. You don't replace two you don't change two positions to replace one that's what i mean by that yeah, yeah he well, values... has dickerson even established himself as a position yet well no unless you look at college he obviously is a high profile draft pick i mean we all know how that goes you draft somebody high for a reason and i i thought it was interesting that nate herbig didn't come in and they gave it to landa dickerson right away because not only because I mean, he was back at practice. That was his first full practice this week. I, it, so I thought just from the, the fact that he wasn't completely healthy off the ACL, they would have put Herbig in there and give him a – but, man, they throw him in the deep end. I think he'd throw Andre in the deep end as well and, and see how it would work out. You're still, Nobody you're still, wants to see you're it. You're still but, defending on – got to let I'm him go. Johnny Johnny Mack, you got to let him go. He can't play. Now, that's not the point. The point is – He's active on game day. He's the only tackle active on game day. That means he's got to be the swing tackle. That means he's got to be left tackle, right tackle. I don't, I'm not saying he can play. I'm saying if he's active and you're going to dress him instead of Brett Toth and you need snaps at right tackle, you got to play him at right tackle. You can't move Jordan Mylotta to right tackle and put him at left tackle. I think that that's what I'm trying to express. If you're dressing him, he's got to play Howie Roseman. I'm looking at Howie Roseman. I'm not defending Andre Dillard. He's dressed. He's got to play. We'll see how it shakes out this week, and hopefully Eagles have no more injuries along the offensive line. Uh, you don't think we'll find out till later at the week at the earliest, or do you think they're going to have a statement and give you a time frame? And I love time frames. Uh, because they can fluctuate as much as they can. Some teams will give you a two-week window. Others, like the Indianapolis Colts, will give you a seven-week window no. on Carson Wentz. Uh, do you think we'll get a time frame on Brandon Brooks today? Um, if it's a torn peck, yes. Um, and that'll be season-ending, essentially. Um, yeah, they'll they'll. And I expect them to admit. Brandon Graham's out to the se- out for the season today. If it's a season-ending injury, I think we'll get a clear, definitive answer. If not, we'll probably get the, uh, we don't want to put a timetable on an answer. Well, have a good time down there uh, watching them bob and weave on the injury front because, uh, yes, uh, keep as much knowledge in-house as you can. You don't want to share it with the Dallas Cowboys, but it'd be nice if you shared it with Eagle fans. John will get to the bottom of it as best he can. JM, I will see you back here in the morning, buddy. 
I will see you 22 hours. Let's do it. I got to take a nap, Jody. Get a nap and then uh, get ready to head over to the uh, Novacare Complex. Uh, we'll be back, as John says, in 22 hours right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.